Hello, and welcome to the first full-length episode of Love in the Time of Everyone, a podcast where we explore the ways that relationships today are different than they were for past generations. I'm your host, M. Diekman. So for my first episode, I figured I'd start at the beginning. As Julie Andrews once said, it's a very good place to start. How did you meet your significant other? How do you think most other couples meet each other? I think that's one of the biggest changes in today's relationships compared to the past. Maybe people today are looking for different kinds of relationships than people were a few generations ago. Or maybe we're looking for the same thing. But one thing's for sure, we definitely have a few more tools at our disposal to help us find what we want. Today I'm going to speak with three different couples about how they met. Of course, every couple has their own story, but I think these three meeting stories, told one after the other, sort of indicate a trend in the way that starting relationships has evolved over the past few decades. Here's the first couple I spoke to. Uh, my name is Fritz von Kohn, and I'm 77. My name is Cindy Senfton von Kohn, <laughs> and I'm 69 years old. When I asked Cindy and Fritz how they met, their answer was pretty classically cute with a little bit of a twist. Well, uh, it goes back uh, quite a ways. We were square dancers. Uh, my uh, first wife and I uh, square danced and started in 1989 with a club, a class. And Cindy at that time was married and she and her husband were coordinators for the square dance class. So we met then uh, as couples and uh, square dance together. Uh, at some point, uh, they uh, quit square dancing, and um, then uh, my wife passed away uh, 10 years ago. Meanwhile, Cindy and her husband had divorced, and Cindy had taken up square dancing again, this time as a single. About six months after his wife passed away, Fritz approached Cindy. If we were at a square dance, and I said, well, next Friday night's a square dance. Will you go out with me? And she said, no. That turned out to be sort of a theme in their relationship. Well, at that time, I'd been single for 11 years. And um, I had decided that I was not going to be dating anymore. I was, yeah, I just wasn't looking to for a man or a partner anymore. Just be friends, you know, enjoy. Well, we, okay, and I actually went through two divorces. The first one left me for a 19-year-old, and I was like only 32. And then the second one um, decided to go back to his first wife, uh, whose husband that she left him for passed away. And so they got back together. So it it's really um, hurts your self-esteem. You know, you wonder, what is wrong with me when two men, you know, and both marriages weren't that short, 16 years, 19 years. So you put that much effort, you know, into a relationship and then have that happen. Um, it, uh, yeah, it shakes your trust in men. And um, so I would always say to him or others, I will meet you at the dance, and we can dance together, but I will drive myself, and I'll drive myself home. So to him, I told him, I said, I'm not dating. So they weren't dating, but their friends did start to pair them up together as square dance partners. So we, by dancing uh, just once every once in a while, and I, of course, I wanted to dance more often with her, and uh, when she said no, I knew I had a challenge. (laughs) 
Yes, that's true. And that challenge went on for three years or two and a half years before I finally decided, yeah, this is a, a guy that I can trust and rely upon, you know, because when you go through a divorce, it's, it's a bit rough. You have to learn your trust in men again. And uh, he's very trustworthy, very um, faithful, you know. And uh, I could tell that from meeting his family, from meeting his friends, and also from, uh, because Patricia, his wife, was my friend too. In our square, we were in the same square dancing club. So she was my friend also. And I knew that uh, he was very, um, he was right by her side through the five, six years that she was fighting breast cancer. And that takes a man of a lot of commitment, you know, to do that. So I finally decided that, yeah, it's okay to date him. (laughs) So Fritz did eventually get Cindy to go out with him. But there was a little bit of dishonesty involved. And so I called her and I said, uh, I really don't know anybody. I'm going to this party at the university. Would you join me? And I tricked her into by saying that, you know, I'm really a, a, a kind of bashful and I don't make friends very easy and I need somebody to talk to. Yeah, he did. He tricked me into the first date because I didn't know him that well, you know, yet. And um, I thought, okay. I said, sure, I can do that as a friend. I can accompany you and help you talk to people and stuff because I'm not bashful. And then I find out at the party, he's definitely way more uh, extrovert and not bashful than I am. So I've always told him that he tricked me into our very first date, you know, so. Even though I can verify from meeting Fritz that he's certainly not bashful, he confessed that he was actually really nervous before that first date. Well, you know, first first date after I'd been married for almost fifty years, and uh, and so it's starting out from scratch, so to speak. Hadn't dated in all that time. I mean, obviously, as being married, we would go places, of course. But this was, you know, I was nervous, and and I uh, I know I bought myself a new sports coat because it was a special occasion, and and. I washed my car, and I made the trip back and forth to be sure I knew how to get there. And, uh, yeah, we were uh, – well, I was uh, nervous about – because I wanted to <clears throat> make a good impression. And boy, did he. He made a great impression. He was <laughs> brought me flowers every Sunday before we went to church and, you know, took me to really nice places. And just he, – he really knows how to court a lady. He really did well, know how to court a lady, and and he put I had a to, lot of effort into. All I had of to that. put a lot of effort into it because she was not really willing to. Uh, you know, going square dancing was one thing, but to uh, to uh, take a deeper commitment, yeah, yeah. That, that took a little time. And and we are both believers, and uh, and so uh, marriage is is. You, you have to be married before you have sex type of That's thing. That's what we believe in. Uh-huh. We believed in. We, we, we had a discussion. I mean, we did a lot of talking, which you do on dates. I did, <laughs> well, I did the first time I was dating. Of course, that wasn't the only reason why. But marriage was really important to Fritz. And uh, we were going on and off for two, a little over two, almost two and a half years. Yeah, two and a half years. Uh, when we finally, I asked her several times and she would either not answer or say no to marry me. Yeah. 
And finally, I asked her, uh, she uh, was a school teacher, and so she was real close here at in a school in, in Buena Park. And so I would go there after classes were over, of course. And, and, and one day I went and got on my knee and asked her to marry me, and she in said no. In front of the kids? No, no, in the ap- classroom afterwards, after school. After, after uh, school. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's another thing. We did something with the kids. Well, I'll have to tell you about that. But she um, said no, and then that was like a Monday or Tuesday in the week, and so I'm fretting the whole thing because it's just not going to happen. And well, he I, leaves. A, didn't you leave me a note though on my windshield? I my car. think I left a note there yeah. afterwards. He yeah. says, "Please say yes." Yeah. You know, please, you know, think about please say yes. And he so, left it on my windshield. So he he left yeah. he left me. You know that day, put this note on my windshield, and then, yeah, you know, he was we, worried all week long about him asking me, and I said we, no. And so we did have a habit, regardless of where we were in our relationship, we went to church together. I made sure that we did that. And so in picking her up that following Sunday morning, she had a, had a note on the door and said, yes. <laughs> just yes. And he goes, yes, what? <laughs> no, that's not no, true. I but she couldn't wait. To... Well, he left a note on my windshield, so I left yeah, a note right. on my front door. Yeah. I knew he would see it because he's coming to pick me up for church. Yeah. And, it's, and I just wrote the note, yes, and hung it on my front door. And so Cindy and Fritz lived happily ever after. Or they have their own way of saying it, which is just as cute. And then we say, those who dance together stay together. That's right. Huh? And we dance we together. <laughs> Today, you don't hear a lot of stories about people meeting in square dancing class. In fact, in 2001, you didn't hear a lot of stories about people meeting in square dancing class. Just to remind everyone that 2001 wasn't like three years ago like it feels like, 2001 was 16 years ago. How have relationships changed since then? Melissa Anderson, 32, and her husband Jared Courier, 36, shared their story. Uh, We've been married... Since 2007, so that's almost 10 years. Yep. Yeah, a little over nine years, and uh, we've been together since 2001, so almost 16 years. Jared said that sometimes he would stay at a friend's house who had internet connection and check out the AOL chat rooms because he was looking for a different sort of way to meet people. My At my age, I was 21 at the time, so it was you know clubs and that kind of stuff. That wasn't my scene, and, and a lot of the different people I talked to online would say the same thing that wasn't their scene or they'd done that and didn't want to do that anymore. It wasn't the type of people they were interested in. And sometimes people were just at home killing time and it was just need to talk to different people and maybe it panned out into something else. I don't know that necessarily anyone specifically uh, went looking for that. At least I didn't think so at the time. Anyway, I didn't, I was just talking to people, you know, and, and it worked out well for me at the time because I'm not uh, an extrovert by any means. And I, even back then it was even worse. I was really socially awkward and kind of a misfit and really just didn't know how to talk to people at the time. So there was a certain anonymity to being able to use the chat rooms that just made that an easier way to talk to people. I didn't know, you know, so. Anyway, Jared was talking to this girl, Robin, for a couple of months. And then uh, one night I saw her come online and, and I said, Hey Robin, how you doing? And, and, uh, response was, this isn't Robin, this is Missy. I said, oh, okay, Missy, well, I'll talk to you then, you know. Uh, how are you, you know, who are you, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
and she ended up sending me a picture, which was her, I believe, her senior class photo. Yeah, we had just done like senior portraits and got like the proofs that day. So I was able to scan them in and send him a picture immediately. Yeah, anonymous people. Yeah, that's what Look you did. at me, I'm beautiful. <laughs> yes. Yeah, was very attractive. And then I told her as much. And, uh, and I said, uh, you look like you're Latina or something of that nature, and which got a very angry response. No, I'm not. I'm Native American, something of that nature. Uh, <laughs> so I thought, oh, she's feisty. Um, we exchanged phone numbers, and we said we'd give each other a call or something, I think. And I didn't call her for a few days, and she got impatient. She ended up calling me instead. So that was the first phone call. Yeah. <laughs> that just went from there. We were talking in the evenings. We'd probably talk for about four or five hours. Maybe, was it, first couple of weeks, probably like five nights out of the week. After a few months of this, Melissa's mom had a company picnic at a park near where Jared lived, and Melissa suggested that they meet up in person. And she told me, hey, I'm going to be in the area, so why don't you come down and see me? So I ended up doing that after work, and uh, um, that was the first time we actually met in face-to-face. And, and we kissed, and, you know, it was from there. But yeah. Yeah, so... <sighs> At that time, so it's like 2001, um, going on to chat rooms, just meeting and talking to different people, that was like the fun thing to do. So I would just routinely just kind of go online, look for dates, try to find, <laughs> try to find Mr. Right, I guess, at 17. <laughs> um, it was Ambitious. fun. Yeah. It was, it was just, um, just, at random, purely random talking to people. I had met um, like two or three people from the internet um, in person um, in the months prior and kind of did some dating, but nothing really panned out. That is until one night when she logged on to her friend Robin's account. Robin had knocked out early at their sleepover, and since this was 2001, only a certain number of accounts could use the internet in a given household. So she hopped on Robin's account and turned on the charm. So the fact that, um, like Robin had already, um, had Jared on her friends list, um, and that she kind of already, I guess, like weeded through, um, and found some local boys of interest, um, that, that was a big help. And you know what? Now that I think about it, Robin did meet her boyfriend at the time, also in an online chat room. Melissa talked about how part of what made it so hip to go on the chat rooms was that it was new and novel, like having a cell phone. But she also talked about how cool it was to talk to people from all over the world. So I believe for me, um, it was just, it was the coolest form of communication and, um, that collective consciousness, I think, that we have today with social media and, and different dating apps, um, it all started back in that late 90s, early 2000 era. Yeah, chat rooms were the online social norm before mm-hmm. MySpace and, and, and uh, Facebook and all that social online, online social media stuff. Chat rooms was where people went. Mm-hmm. Every, and all the major providers had them, Yahoo!, uh, Microsoft, AOL, and none of them have them anymore. They don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. You know? Even though Jared said he was never really looking for a relationship or a hookup through the chat rooms, 
He pointed out that one of the most classic opening lines for anonymous online conversations shows that that's what a lot of people were and are looking for. ASL, which stands for Age, Sex, Location. So to have that formalized like that, and those were the, the things that were, people wanted to know right away. How old are you? What sex are you? Where are you at? You know, it seemed like people were looking That's for people true. who were close That's and totally the same different. age. And yeah, the ASL question. That was mm-hmm. the always usually the opener. They also spoke about how the acceptance of online dating has grown over the years. While today dating sites and apps are commonplace, there was more of a stigma about meeting people online in the early 2000s. I was, we were talking about this uh, the other day for years after we started dating when people, Hey, how'd you meet? And you'd say, Oh, we met online through a chat room and you'd get big eyes or the raised eyebrow or something. And it was like, really, how does that work? Kind of a question, you know, what's that like? You know, though they both feel like meeting people online is less stigmatized now. They also said that it seems to them like online dating itself has changed and maybe not for the better. For us, when we met, it was just even like I can I totally consider myself more of an introvert. Um, And it was just a nice way to get to know someone without having like the superficial static of a normal person to person relationship. Um, We were able to kind of get past that and have that not be a barrier as we were getting to know each other. And we were able to have, like, continued conversations that had depth and quality. Um, But I think now with the different dating sites, it's just more about sex Um, and having just the the casual relationship as opposed to a meaningful long-term relationship. So... The medium has evolved. Well, it depends on what you do with it, too. I mean, it depends on what your intent is, what you're looking for. I mean, if you're on Tinder, obviously you're not looking for a real relationship or a lasting one. I mean, uh, it's just what you do with it, too. I was kind of surprised to hear Jared be so disapproving of newer dating apps, considering that some people had been so disapproving of the way he and Melissa met when that way was new. But it's true, apps like Tinder and Hot or Not definitely have a stigma about being a good way to find a hookup, not necessarily a relationship. He also said that today's dating apps and websites have grown more complicated. There's profiles and guidelines and lists of interests. There's ways to make yourself seem more appealing. None of that stuff existed for us. It was just a chat room. It's just people talking and, you know, being jerks or just saying random things or who knows what. Yeah, really. It's just a bunch of people in a room, you know, shouting stupid things or talking in a corner or whatever. I mean, that's kind of what it was at the time. So it wasn't very sophisticated. It was just people being people. People just being people. I thought it was really interesting Jared said that because that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out on this podcast. What does people just being people mean today versus, say, 50 years ago? Are we and our feelings changing? Or is it just the way that we express them and connect with one another? The last couple I spoke with offered some insight into what it's like to connect through a post-square dancing, post-AOL chat room medium. My name is Blair McKeithen. I am 27 years old, and I live in San Diego, California. In some ways, Emily and Blair seem to embody the millennial couple archetype. They like to go to Disneyland, attend events like the Women's March, and play with their cat, Malcolm, named after Malcolm X. 
Aside from all that, they just seem really genuinely happy together. They've been together for a little under three years, after meeting in a way that you might expect. Um, we met on Tinder, on the dating app Tinder. And we met at a, our first date was at a bowling alley in the mall. <laughs> um, his bio, how tall are you? Me? I'm 5'11". I feel, like, I feel like he lied about his height. Most guys on Tinder in the bio just put their height, um, which is interesting, but I feel like effective. And um, <laughs> Blair, Blair's bio just said, I think he said six feet um, because I probably wouldn't have accepted if it said <laughs> something different. Um, not like beauty doesn't come in all shapes and sizes, but I like my men like tall and gangly. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so his bio said like, six foot and half black and i that was it and i was just like oh <laughs> emily didn't have a bio i don't think i just saw looked through her pictures she was like feeding a lemur on one of them mm-hmm. and then and one she was kissing like a stone and now like like the blarney stone and that was the first thing after we matched that i asked her because i actually legitimately did not know what the hell that was and i was like this is actually going to be a good like start of a conversation because when you match with people and like the, you know the guy's usually obliged to talk first and like that was always like a rough thing especially with because i'd have to play off of what they had off their bios to start a conversation otherwise they'd just get really lame really quick and then i saw her kissing the stone i was like what is that and yeah. that's she wrote from there um i didn't i didn't put a bio because um i just felt like no no guy is going to look at my pictures and be like i don't know but her bio is pretty interesting <laughs> so i just i didn't want to like give that crutch to guys messaging me. Even without the crutch, Emily said the Blarney Stone thing was pretty effective. Most of the guys who messaged her said something along the lines of, what's up with you kissing that rock? A lot of them she didn't respond to, but it wasn't long before she and Blair matched. Um, I had been using Tinder for like a month or two before that or so. And then, uh, yeah. But I met Emily like pretty pretty soon into it because like we started talking and it was like three weeks or a month or so before we first met. So Emily and Blair didn't meet up until after they had been talking for about a month because Emily got really sick. She joked that Blair must have thought he was being catfished. No, but uh, but we ended up like I didn't have Snapchat before that, and so that was like kind of like a thing where. It was a perfect way to finally like use it and make sure I wasn't getting catfished. So kind of use Snapchat to the advantage there to make sure that she was real. So it was it was a uh, but I had never had Snapchat before that point. So that was that was interesting to start with that. He was really really bad at using Snapchat. All of his photos were extremely unflattering. So they met on Tinder and then each used Snapchat to verify that the other person was real. I think this hyper millennial way of communicating is a double edged sword. In a lot of ways, apps like this make it easier to communicate. But the new medium also has its own whole new set of rules for how to present yourself. But I'd be in the bathroom for like four minutes trying to like execute this perfect pee selfie and be like, I'm accidentally really cute. And Blair was not like giving me that. He was just like quickly snapping a picture. <laughs> yeah. And he'd My be snap like, game was he'd be like, very, very off. <laughs> and I was like, it looks like you had a long day. <laughs> there is a stereotype about Tinder that it's only used for hookups and casual flings. Emily said that she was well aware of this. In fact, that's why she signed up for the app in the first place. Yeah, um, Tinder is the only dating profile I've ever used. Um, I had been dating somebody for like three years, like from high school and then onward. 
Um, and so then when we broke up, it kind of took me a while to realize like, oh, hey, I'm single and like, I can kind of be like scuzzy. So let's just like use Tinder because I thought it was like a hookup app. Um, so I went on it and then, um, that was like the only thing that I had been using and that I was only 20 when I met Blair. Um, so (laughs) I like didn't have experience dating and I couldn't like go out into, I don't even know what you do like before you're 21 because I couldn't go out into like social scenes or like places where you actually like meet people and like converse with people. So I thought that Tinder was a really good option for me, especially because I like lived so far away from everything too. Um, so I thought it would be a really good option to actually like get out of the like fishbowl, I guess, of like my community and meet new people and I'm not like good at flirting or like being like sexy or anything like that so I just like couldn't picture myself like like going to like a bookstore and like I don't know like looking hot and like striking up a conversation and like not being super sweaty about it so um uh, tinder was a good option for me especially like I feel like it's pretty like female friendly too, because you really get to like talk to somebody and just really decide like if that's even somebody that you like want to be within five feet of you. Okay. So Emily had lots of reasons for trying Tinder in the first place, but I kind of just had one and it was pretty different. In my, in my case, uh, I would like, I wasn't meeting that many people, I guess. Like, obviously, people that I knew from, like, high school and, like, growing and, like, going out of high school until that age, like, all mutual friends, you know? So, like, or someone who knows someone else kind of thing. So, uh, it, it, I, don't, I don't think you can do that for that long. It's kind of nice to meet someone completely new. And so I got it because, like, I just wanted to meet people. And then I did it for completely different reasons because I kind of was going through that. I kind of went through all the trying to be single for the first 24 years of my life, you know. So that that was like, I was like, well, maybe I'll get really lucky. I actually went into Tinder, like, a lot more optimistic than everyone else seems to now. They go, oh, you know, you can't meet anyone off of Tinder. You know, you got to get so lucky and stuff. But I was like, I'm sure I'll get lucky. If I match the, the, you know, 50 people, I'm sure one of them's got to be cool. And sure enough, that's hey. how it worked. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's why I went in looking for kind of like, uh, like, a, like a partner, you know, and I found one and that was pretty sweet. By the time that Emily and Blair had matched on Tinder and started officially dating, they said they felt like a lot of the stigma about online dating and apps had already dissipated. Um, I feel like when Blair and I started um, becoming official on Tinder, I would tell people just because I feel like you, when you do something like kind of embarrassing, you just have to own up to it, you know? So I wasn't going to lie about um, where we met. And for the most part, people were just like surprised that we had met off of Tinder and that like something successful came from it instead of just like a hookup. But I'd always put the disclaimer like, I wasn't looking for love. Blair just happened to be super lovable. Hmm. Um, but uh, now I feel like most people that I know have significant others off of Tinder or OkCupid, like I, or Instagram, like people meet on Instagram now. Yeah. yeah. Maybe if it had been like, I know like 20 years ago, online dating was like super embarrassing and like people made hmm. fun of eHarmony and stuff. But I think people were just mostly surprised that you could find a decent human being on Tinder Yeah. because just like people were using it like drunk and at midnight, you know, to like find someone at a like bar close to them. So, but no one's ever been mean, and if they are, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. I wouldn't mind. Seriously, I'd be all like, I would actually be uh, be more shocked that they didn't meet off of some kind of social dating app. I mean, seriously, like, 
anybody who's all like who would knock on someone who uses Tinder, I'd find be, to be very very odd. So, I mean that that's just me. Like I, I when it when it started, like I was owning up to. It. I'm like, oh, I met Emily off of Tinder. It was great, you know. Like it, 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 my my friends might not have done it, and they might be doing things or trying to do them the traditional way, but it obviously never worked. And then I have a totally awesome lady pal, and that was the greatest thing ever. So I was actually like pretty stoked on meeting off of Tinder. Both Emily and Blair said they totally recommend dating apps like Tinder to friends who are looking for relationships. But they try to keep in mind that everyone might not get as lucky as they did. So I guess it's kind of like I, I won't like really like push it on anybody because I know that there's obviously a chance that you might not be anybody. And that, you know, if I make it sound like it's so easy and such a guaranteed thing, then they might feel a little bit bad if they don't get anything. But but in all honesty, though, that that was is still my number one recommendation. So I, I, I don't tell anybody else anything else. So. In fact, Emily said she even recommends it to friends who aren't looking for relationships. But it's kind of it was kind of nice to have Tinder, and then like you had like a really crappy day, and then you go and you have like three messages from people that are like interested to get to, like that kind of feels good. Yeah. It's like get yeah, it's like getting a compliment at least. You know, like it's it's nice to like have your phone go off, and unless it's like some douche, like then it's <laughs> probably like someone saying something nice or like yeah. wanting to get to know you, which which it feels good and like. If anything, like you just are introduced to new people at just such a fast pace that you introduce yourself to so many like new experiences. So I think that that at least is fun. It's just like a more like perfect, like people used to go on blind dates, you know, like friends set you up. This is just like a much more perfected system because like you get to go through the people, you Mm -hmm. know, so you don't have to have to like trust your friend's judgment. Now that Emily said it, it seems kind of obvious. Dating sites and apps really do the same things that friends who set you up on blind dates used to do. It's just, in some ways, technology does a more efficient job. There's more mechanization and strategy involved. Does this leave less room for human error, resulting in happy couples like Emily and Blair? Or are mutual friends, real, tangible, warm, living people, an irreplaceable way for happy couples like Cindy and Fritz to get together? I don't really think there's a conclusive answer. Because every person and every couple is so different. Cindy and Fritz would never think to try online dating, or even casual coffee dates, she told me. Melissa and Jared would never think to try something like Tinder. And I don't think Emily and Blair would be too interested in looking for love in a square dancing class. I think that's kind of the neat thing about love. Or at least one of the neat things. At least I think so. Everyone does what works for them. Thanks so much for listening to episode one of Love in the Time of Everyone. New episodes will be available every two weeks. Tune in for our next episode where I talk to Marv and Jane, a couple who found love in, well, they found love in a lot of places. Special thanks to Local Kindergartner for the theme music. The Local Kindergartner EP, Spine, is available on Bandcamp. To Jeff Gardner for teaching me how to use audio editing software and also for making their really cool podcast art. Thank you to Jim Lawson for all the help in getting started, and to my roommate and parents for putting up with me while I figured this all out. I leave you this week with a quote from Zora Neale Hurston. Love is like the sea. It's a moving thing, but still in all, it takes its shape from the shore it meets, and it's different with every shore. <laughs>